Welcome back to Sleep for Performance Radio. Today is Audio Abstract, and we're going to kick off this year with a, an article titled A Critical Review of Consumer Wearables, Mobile Applications, and Equipment for Providing Biofeedback, Monitoring Stress, and Sleep in Physically Active Populations. Whew, no breath reading that one. So this was written by Jonathan Peake, Graham Kerr, and John P. Sullivan. Now you remember John Sullivan, who was on the podcast about this time last year, uh, talking about his work around the brain always wins. So this is a review article published in Frontiers in Physiology, and this came out in June 2018. So it is about 18 months old, but it is pretty interesting. Now, in this audio abstract, we're going to just talk a little bit about the sleep stuff, but I would encourage you to scroll down there on your podcast app to the bottom of this and click on the link, which will bring you to the full paper if you're interested in this, because it does talk about other biofeedback devices, like I said, about stress and activity and so on. And there's an awesome figure in here, I think on page three, figure one, uh, 3 of 19 on figure 1 which has this great um, little graphic that shows on a person all different types of things like uh, garments, smart garments, eyewear, skin patches and so on um, that are out there at the moment so it would be uh, quite interesting to have a look at this if you're interested in all of these type of wearable technologies. I know some people are uh, very keen to have as many things strapped to them as they can and uh, play around with them. As you know my interest lies in the sleep part so I'm just going to hone in on the sleep part of this paper. So uh, let's have a look at the abstract here. So the commercial market for technologies to monitor and improve personal health and sports performance is ever expanding. And this is true. No matter where you look these days on the internet and Facebook, Instagram, we're all getting spammed with some sort of advertisement for these type of things, particularly if you Google them or if they're listening to you as well. And so if you walk into your local sports store, you will see all of these things as well. You've got patches now, sensors, small portable devices, mobile applications um, that can record these different sort of uh, variables on your physical, cognitive performance, whatever it might be, sleep, stress, the whole lot. So consumers who are choosing new technology should consider the following. And so the authors here have uh, put forward three points to consider. Number one. Um, you should consider if the new technology, whether it, one, produces desirable or non-desirable outcomes, two, has been developed based on real-world need, and three, has been tested and proven effective in applied studies in different settings. Now, that's not one of your mates going, oh, this watch is awesome, it really works, I think it looks really good, and, you know, I feel like it's right. We're talking here about act- actually published peer-reviewed studies um, that have been done by scientists, not Broad science down the road. Among the technologies included in this review, more than half have not been validated through independent research. Only 5% of technologies have, have been formally validated, and around 10% of technologies have been developed for and used in research. And so they're saying here, uh, the authors, that the value of such technologies for consumer use is debatable, however, because they may require extra time to set up and interpret the data they produce. And so we're not always getting the best uh, information here. So jumping forward to the introduction of this uh, review, it's quite lengthy, it's 19 pages, so you might want to skim through to the different sections you're interested. 
Uh, one of the things here the authors discuss is a health and performance technology is now moving towards miniaturization. So the sensors and um, the integration, the artificial intelligence is getting better. And we see this now with lots of auto scoring um, of these devices, the ability to be synced into a, a cloud-based device, get auto scored and come basically right back to give you real-time feedback. And with some devices giving you prediction or using your previous data to identify trends and so on. So it's quite interesting uh, some of the information they can provide. Doesn't always mean the information is correct though. Now technology development has been driven by bioengineers um, predominantly, so it's not been sort of applied scientists. So if we look in the case of sleep, uh, a lot of these technologies don't actually get developed by people like myself who do sleep research. They actually come out of tech companies, bioengineers, um, and it's generally driven from a market need to be honest. Uh, the authors say here in this paper, however, effective validation of technology for the real world and development of effective methods for processing data requires collaboration with mathematicians and physiologists. So um, we would kind of fall into the physiologist side here in terms of the sleep. Um, in this review, devices for inclusion were identified by searching the internet and databases of scientific literature, such as PubMed, using key terms such as technology, hydration, sweat analysis, heart rate, respiration, biofeedback, uh, respiration, two respirations here. Uh, obviously I'm gonna pick up in the review. <laughs> uh, muscle oxygenation, uh, sleep, cognitive fun function and concussion, which obviously over the last couple of years has garnered a lot of attention due to uh, head injuries in combat sports, contact sports and the like. Now the broadly divided technology into following areas, like I said, had devices for monitoring hydration status and metabolism devices, garments, and mobile applications for monitoring physical and uh, psychological stress, wearable devices that provide physical biofeedback, e.g. muscle stimulation, devices that provide cognitive feedback and training, devices and applications for monitoring and promoting sleep, and devices and applications for evaluating concussion. In the review, they looked at the following. One, what the technology is claimed to do, Two, has the technology been uh, independently validated against some accepted standard? C, is the technology reliable and is any cali cali well, God, calibration needed? And four, is it commercially available or still under development? So based on this information, the authors evalu uh, evaluate a range of technologies and provided some unbiased critical comments. So let's scroll down to see what they found in the sleep part. Again, we scroll past this awesome little figure on page three. Um, they've got all these different devices here as I'm scrolling down through the paper on different areas. Um, so whatever kind of area you're interested in, such as technologies for heart rate, heart rate variability and breathing patterns, patterns. And the one that I want to look at is technologies for monitoring and promoting better sleep. So the authors here discuss that sleep technologies offer benefits for anyone who may be suffering from sleep problems arising from chronic disease, such as sleep apnea, uh, anxiety, depression, medication, travel and work schedules, and environmental factors such as noise, light, ambient temperature. And they also discuss here that the gold standard for sleep measurement is polysomnography. Now, polysomnography, which I spoke about before in the podcast, is basically all these wires you see on somebody going into a sleep lab overnight. And all that is to do is basically identify to, or to see if you have an issue with sleep. Now, it's not representative of one night. 
Uh, sorry, it's not representative of your sleep. It's one night and it's generally a poor night's sleep for you as the individual undertaking it. But it's more of like diagnostic to see if we can identify one of the uh, 70-odd um, sleep disorders that somebody may have. However, polysonography typically requires expensive equipment and technical expertise to set up and therefore is not appropriate for regular use in a home environment. Now, you may have a, a home study, but you can't be using it each and every night because it will cost you an arm and a leg and it's a pain in the ass to set up. Uh, you know, you're going to get away with probably 20 minutes, probably half an hour actually really, um, for a level one or two, um, up to an hour depending on the person. So in this review here, they discussed that a large number of wearable devices are available that measure various aspects of sleep. Now, some of these you may be familiar with, and we're going to call out a few of the, the tech, most popular technologies here that are actually in the paper, so we're not calling them out um, unfairly because they're being actually discussed here. So the UP device, commonly known as the Jawbone, and the Fitbit Flex um, are wristbands connected to a mobile application. So one study reported that compared to PSG or polysonography, the Jawbone device had high sensitivity for detecting sleep so it's pretty good at detecting sleep duration but low specificity for detecting wake so periods of wake throughout the night commonly called wake after sleep onset where it overestimates total sleep time then by 26 minutes because that's because it can't pick up the wake time so it's actually overestimating the amount of sleep and sleep onset latency which is the time to fall asleep and underestimates wake after sleep onset which is a function of the earlier one detecting wake um, by 31 minutes Another study reported that measurements obtained using the Jawbone device correlate with total sleep time. So give an R value here and then time in bed, but did not correlate with measurements of deep sleep, light sleep, or sleep efficiency. Now, sleep efficiency is a calculation that's derived from the non-derived and derived, derived variables in, a, in an actigraph or a wrist-worn technology. They're the things such as the sleep onset latency, the time in bed, sleep duration, and so on. But generally most of these devices in general most of these devices are pretty good at picking up sleep duration the time you fall asleep and the time you wake up in the morning for those three variables they're, they're fairly decent it's the other stuff then time to fall asleep the wake the periods of time awake overnight this is where it gets a little bit kind of wobbly and where it gets really wobbly where to say it here is deep sleep light and light sleep now this whole thing with using heart rate variability to track deep sleep and light sleep can be quite difficult because the gold standard for that is PSG with the application of electrodes to someone's head to measure brain activity. So first of all, if the wearable device does not have heart rate monitor or heart rate variability, it definitely cannot pick up deep and light sleep. That's number one. Secondly, if it does, some of the devices are not very good. So if you are picking a device, it might be worth seeing there's any validation and not too many of them have it. Now, several studies have reported similar findings for the Fitbit Flex, and in the validation study of the Aura Ring, which has proven to be very popular lately, and it's quite expensive as well, um, and saying that, it is kind of nice because it's not around your wrist, looks like a ring, it's qu pretty cool looking, so people just like having one device that's kind of small and slimline and, and, and not too obtrusive. This... Um, Study here though showed I had total sleep time, sleep onset latency, and wake after sleep onset, and had a high sensitivity for detecting sleep. So that kind of goes to my point. It kind of very good at picking up some of these variables around total sleep time. This one actually was good for sleep onset latency and wake after sleep onset. However, 
it had lower sensitivity for detecting light sleep, deep sleep and rapid eye movement. And that's why many people buy these to work out these sleep stages. So it's actually quite bad for doing it. It also underestimated deep sleep by about 20 minutes and overestimated rapid eye movement um, by about 17. And similar results were shown for the Fitbit Charge uh, 2 as well. So these devices therefore offer benefits from monitoring some aspects of sleep but also have some technical deficiencies. And these might vary between people as well. Now here in table four of the review, it goes through lots of these devices, talks about um, the technical characteristics, have they been validated, have the reliability testing, collaboration required, who's the company and is it commercially available? So you can go through and have a look at those if you are thinking about looking at purchasing a device. There is other devices out there as well. Um, you know, like play music, promote sleep, promote wakefulness, and some devices are currently in commercial development. Um, but you know, the, they're all in, in various stages. So, other scientific research supports the benefits of applying blue light to improve sleep quality as well. So, they've got some of these type of things out here as well um, on the market, and they talk about a number of different devices here, such as the Nightwave Sleep Assistant, the Widings or Widings uh, Aura. The REM sleep tracker for somebody's haven't even heard of the retimer device, which is a, a set of glasses that came out of I think the guys at Flinders, which uh, basically shines light into your eye, um, which is quite helpful in terms of portability. So all these devices have their uh, pros and cons, and as you guys would know better than I would, there is more and more of these devices getting you know manufactured each and every day. But don't always assume that they're being manufactured by sleep scientists. They're generally by bioengineers and technical companies. And even though they say they can measure these type of things, they're under no obligation to actually have them validated um, because they're not medical devices or physical activity trackers. And so they can basically put whatever they want out onto the market. Um, So be kind of cautious when you're buying these things and also interpret the data with, uh, you know, a pinch of salt or a bucket um, by times because they're not always exactly what they say. So um, that's what's in the review paper here. I thought it was quite interesting to look at this because uh, many people may have got one of these for Christmas. You may be thinking about getting one um, to kick off the new year to reach your goals. So if you are, have maybe have a look at this one or you can uh, have a quick brief look, have a quick uh, look on the internet and um, yeah, if you've got any questions, then you can always email us at iandunican at sleepforperformance.com.au. Don't forget to head over to the website sleepforperformance.com.au. Check out some resources that we have over there. We've got a free ebook coming out uh, probably in late February um, on sleep and performance. Okay, until next time, sleep well.